it is going. There we go. Who would have thought about that? Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my brother was just telling me with this headset, I look like I'm about to be performing in the Backstreet Boys or something like that. And with that intro video, I was like, am I performing for the Backstreet Boys right now? Gosh. Uh, well, good morning. If we haven't met, uh, my name is Logan. Uh, I've actually, I'm just really glad to be back here because North Bay is home for me. Uh, at one point in time, I was the student ministry director here. Uh, right before that, I was an intern here. Right before that, I volunteered in tech, in kids, in students, pretty much everything. Uh, you, you, you guys know how North Bay goes. Um, but <laughs> some of you guys know. <laughs> uh, anyways, and before that even, uh, I was also just a student who started coming here uh, at, to our youth group, United, if you don't know about it. You should. Um, but it's a wonderful youth ministry, and I'm glad to be back because here at North Bay, I learned what it's like not just to hear about Jesus, but to actually learn what it means to follow him, spend time with him, know his voice. And it's probably the greatest gift I have ever received, and it's all because of the family here. So thank you all. Uh, my time away... Uh, it's because it's been about like a year and a half or so since I last spoke here, maybe even longer. But my time away, uh, it's been a great and busy season. Uh, about uh, almost two years ago now, I actually left here uh, to pursue nursing. Uh, and then a little after that, I became a CNA at a nursing home in Linden. Uh, and then once I got all the hours that I needed there, I actually quit the job as a CNA and took up the job as the student ministry director. Um, so that's been wonderful. I'm back with CTK and it is so fantastic. Uh, a couple other updates. Uh, for those of you who didn't believe it would ever happen, I got a girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> that was a lot more laughter than I thought I was going to get. Uh, <laughs> so clearly, gosh. Um, I also... For those of you who thought the picture of me with a baby on my back was my child, I'm not a dad. That is my nephew. He was born last year, um, and he actually just turned one. So, or so that's fantastic, right? He just turned one, 25th. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah, 18th. Uh, anyways, uh, and I actually am expecting. Well, my brother is expecting his second child, so I will have two nephews soon in just a few weeks, so that's very exciting. So a lot has changed, a lot hasn't. Uh, I still love talking about Jesus, uh, and people still confuse Josh and I for the same person all the time. For those of you who remember those good old days, somehow it carried over to Bellingham, and even our students call us Josh and Logan pretty interchangeably today. Uh, so either way, I'm glad to be back speaking, um, and I just am excited for this series that Dan has started and that we're going through. Uh, and it's the series of Grace and Grit, uh, and so we're unpacking the different parables of Jesus. And so I have to admit, since Josh cheated a couple weeks ago and didn't even do a parable, I thought I would cheat as well and balance things out. So I'm actually doing two parables, whether you believe it or not. Um, but they're, they're pretty similar. They're just like at different points in the Bible, but it's like all about kind of the same stuff. Uh, so before we begin, I'm scattered as you can tell. Let me just pray and we will just hop right into this. So Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you that we just get to come together, that we get to be this family that you call your church. Uh, 
and we get to follow you together. We get to worship you. We get to witness the wonderful things that you do. Jesus, you grow the fruit of the Spirit in us. So Holy Spirit, um, as I get going this morning, let it be more of the things that you want and less of the things that I want. Let it be the things that you want to say. Jesus, we are here for you and you alone. So Jesus, guide our hearts, guide our minds, open us up to you. And Lord, bring us something fresh and new into our lives today. Jesus, we love you, we thank you, and in your name we pray, amen. All right, y'all. So the parable I chose for this week, it's, it's one of the ones where Jesus is talking about the light of the world. And so the first entry of the parable is in Matthew 5, and it's verses 14 through 16. Uh, and he's also talking about the salt and the light in this one, but I just chose the light. Um, but anyway, in it, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So I feel like as Christians, we can look at this verse and interpret it pretty simply as actively do good things for others, love them, and don't keep the Lord's goodness for yourself. And that's a pretty okay, good translation. Amen? I think I got some amen. I'll take it. So anyways, it's a pretty, it's a good definition or way to interpret it, but, and honestly, I don't think it's the whole picture, because to me, actually, it brings up the question of what does it mean to be the light of the world, because that's a big title. When I think of the light of the world, I don't picture us being the light of the world. I'm more picturing Jesus being the light of the world, but instead he's calling us that title, and so that took a little while to wrap my brain around. And so, what does it mean to be the light of the world, and what does it mean to let your light shine before others? And so, when I was reading through a bunch of the different parables, trying to figure it out, like, oh, what do I want to do? What is, like, there's so many different options. I was reading this one, and what caught my attention is this idea of covering the lamp. Like, why would someone want to cover the lamp that's lit? Like, it doesn't even make sense. He says, put a bowl over it, which when I'm thinking of a lamp, I'm not thinking of putting a bowl over a lamp, so that was just strange. And I thought, I just had that funny picture in my mind, and it's what really just made me think, that's the one, because who would cover a light? Uh, but in the verses, Jesus is comparing us, us, the light of the world, to a town built on a hill that can't be hidden. And so he also compares us to this light as a lamp, that we are hiding under the bowl or not hiding under the bowl. And he's saying that it shouldn't be hidden because that defeats its purpose. Who would actually do that? It's meant to allow you to see. So I actually was thinking about it, and I was like, that's actually something we do all the time in little ways, but frequent ways. We try to cover up our lives, or we, at least we try to live our lives through a filter so that when we're interacting with people, we're, not, we're telling the truth, but we're not telling the whole truth. We're withholding details because we're like, yeah, it might be too much right now. It might be too much, too little time, or we just live at a pace of our lives where we don't actually have the time to fully 
express the things that are going on or how we're actually doing. It's that whole thing when someone asks you how you're doing, you kind of say, good, and you move on, and you go throughout your day, because we actually don't take the time to do it, and in so, we're actually using that bowl and covering up our life. So we aren't allowing ourselves to fully be seen and known by just simply brushing past the details of, oh, how are you doing, or what is going on in your life? So when Jesus is comparing us to being these lights, he's using these very visual examples, this lamp, this town on a hill. And yet in the very next chapter of Matthew, Matthew 6, um, Chris very graciously allowed me to add this extra piece of scripture this morning. Um, And so he actually made a slide, I think. Yes, maybe. If not, I have the Bible so I can read. Perfect. So (laughs) I think I can read. Um, So when Jesus is saying this, he... In in before, in the verse, he said, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Meanwhile, the following chapter in Matthew 6, he says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. That kind of contradicts a little bit. So if you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So it's kind of strange. He first tells us, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, but then Literally, the very beginning of the next chapter, he says, do it in secret. So what is he actually wanting us to do? Because it's not a bad thing to do good works, but what does he actually want us to do? Because it's not a bad thing, and it might be part of our lives to do good and be kind to others. But like I said, I don't think it's the whole picture. So to help unpack this, uh, I'm actually going to read the parable again uh, in this. It's called the message interpretation or message translation. Uh, Basically, Eugene Peterson, this guy who's a theologian, he wrote the Bible over again in like more modern language to help us understand. Um, But he says, you are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world, and God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. And if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop or on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. And by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So the way that Jesus wants us to be lights, he isn't wanting us to be showing others all the good things that we do. That might be part of what, how we live our lives or the things that we just generally do. But he's actually wanting us to be open with our lives. He's wanting us to invite people into our homes, be generous with our time, our resources, our compassion. And he wants us to show others the reality of what it's like to follow Jesus. And so, in showing people the reality of what it's like to follow Jesus, 
that means expressing all of our lives. And I mean all of our lives. The good, the bad, the ugly, the difficult, the joys, the celebration, and the hurt. Because my friends, to be the town on the hill, it means to give people hope, but it does mean to be exposed and vulnerable. It's out there for everyone to see, but in that, it lets people recognize, oh, things do get hard. Things aren't always going well. Jesus actually expresses so often in the Bible that things aren't going to go well for us. So I think when we live exposed and vulnerable, it gives hope because it builds understanding between one another. It builds understanding in recognizing, oh, that person that follows Jesus, turns out their life isn't as fantastic as I can think it to be. Turns out they have as many struggles as I do. So I think that word vulnerable is actually a little bit of a buzzword. And I don't need this, so I'm just going to put it back down there. But vulnerability is a buzzword because I think we associate it with weakness. And I'm actually here to say that that association is probably accurate, but that's not a bad thing. Because it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to be weak. Because at its heart, vulnerability is truth. At its heart, vulnerability is honesty. It is sharing your experience in the things that you are actually walking through. And sometimes it is admitting that we are weak. Actually, often it is admitting that we're weak, and when we try to be vulnerable, it means we can't do this on our own. So being vulnerable means being the lamp that isn't hidden under the bowl. In 2 Corinthians 12.9, when Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about this experience that he had with Jesus, Paul says that Jesus said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The verse doesn't say that in our strength, Jesus is more strong. Instead, it actually says that it is in our weaknesses that Jesus' power is made perfect. And that is where Jesus works incredible things. Amen? There we go. So much better, guys. <laughs> You're learning. And so, how I also know that this parable has a call to vulnerability in it is that in many letters to the churches uh, and throughout the New Testament, and even like sometimes when Jesus was speaking, the people that they were talking to, the people that the churches, that the letters addressed, the people were living so vulnerably as the lights on their stand that they were actually being hurt and killed by the communities that they lived in. I think that is the ultimate expression of vulnerability, that you are willing to live out your life in a way that people end up hurting you. So when Jesus is calling us to be these lights on the stands or to be the city on the hill, it's important to remember that 
In being the city on the hill, it means not trying to look like a castle on the hill. We're not trying to look like we have all of the fortifications and defenses, and we're not trying to be high and mighty, but we're trying to be authentic and genuine. And he's calling us into this needed space of vulnerability. So my friends, if I'm being honest with you, it has been a good year. But this year's been hard. I've sat and prayed with people waiting for their families to arrive as their pastor. I've sat and prayed with others whose families didn't make it in time. I've sat and had so many days of prayer where I just felt like the words I was speaking was just white noise and that God was nowhere to be found. And the words didn't really go anywhere. I would try to sit in God's presence, would feel so incredibly disconnected from the Holy Spirit. And there was times where I simply didn't even want to connect with the Holy Spirit or pray or anything like that. I lost another friend to cancer this year. And I've also sat in countless prayer groups of people who, in all well intention, were trying to pray over nerve damage and I, that I have in my head. They're trying to pray for healing, and that healing just never came. But in all the different ways that my heart has broken in this last year, it's led me to a place of vulnerability that I had never let myself go to. And I began to open myself up to the people that I love and I care about and even open myself up to Jesus in ways that I never have. And in that, I've begun to experience Jesus and the Holy Spirit bringing healing and transformation in my life to a degree that I haven't seen since I first came to know him. So vulnerability, my friends, is such a wonderful thing. But it's hard, it's difficult, but there's a need for it. There's a need for us to be vulnerable and to let each other into each other's lives. Jesus calls us to express our vulnerability again in the second telling of this parable. In Mark 4, Jesus actually tells it again with a different focus, and he says, Do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. My friends, I think we get so caught up in this idea of protecting our flame or protecting our faith and not letting people see that it's wavering that we don't realize that we are in that active process of covering the lamp with the bowl. That we never actually let people see the light that we're carrying or the lives that we're living to its full extent. Because in reality, we're struggling to keep that light lit. And that's a scary thing. That's difficult. That's hard. And it takes time. But my friends, it's so incredibly worth it. 
And for a long time, since I was younger, I always thought of emotions as a distraction, actually. I thought of them as taking away from being able to accomplish tasks or doing what is needed. And so eventually, I had muted a lot of my emotions and the things that I felt so that they wouldn't get in the way. Just for efficiency's sake. And over the years, I've lost a lot of people that I love. And when my friend Jackie was dying, I remember I was sitting at her hospice bed holding her hand. And my mom was surprised and said that I was so strong for not crying at that moment, when in reality, all I wanted to do was cry for the person that had meant so much to me. Jackie was a wonderful person who I went walking with often. I actually walk the trails and the beach that I do today because I walk them with her. And when I walk, when we'd walk the beach, she would, well, I actually found this a couple weeks ago, but when we'd walk the beach, she would find a piece of blue beach glass specifically, and she would find it, and she'd just yell, praise Jesus, hallelujah, and it was, at the time, just one of the funniest things. So I know that Jesus has actually been bringing me a lot of healing through vulnerability because I've actually shed more tears in this one year than I think in almost my entire life. And a couple weeks ago, I was actually walking the beach with my brother. And when we were on the beach with my, with my brother and my nephew, I actually found this piece of blue beach glass. And I smiled and I just said, praise Jesus. And I don't think Gabe thought of anything of it at the time, but I was wearing my sunglasses and my tears just started falling. So I, I smile and cry when I find a piece of blue beach glass. I smile and I cry when I put on my grandpa's watch today and thinking about how he would just call me a turkey for stealing it. <laughs> and when I drive by my friend Linda's old house thinking that I had a lot of good days mowing her lawn and having a cold can of Coke with her. And when I walk the last trail that I went on with my friend Liam, and when I think of sitting in Japan with my friend Dorita, who was actually the first person I sat with when I cried at school because my friend Jackie had passed. Friends, I believe with my whole heart, truly believe, that there would be a lot less hurting people and a lot more healing people in the church and in the world if we actually took the time to remove the cover from our flames and be vulnerable. To, show, to share this light that we actually are carrying with Jesus and those around us. Because what Jesus, going back to what Jesus said in Mark, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. And if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And Jesus meant that. He meant, meant everything that he said, and he meant that. And that's terrifying. And I still struggle with vulnerability to this day. 
when I went back for my gym bag this morning because the piece of blue beach glass is in it, I didn't want to tell my mom that I was going back for the blue beach glass that was just in the bag. So that's where I actually think the series title fits. Because vulnerability is one of the grittiest things that we can ever try to do because I think it's one of the weakest things that we can ever try to do, but that's, again, not a bad thing. But when we do, and we come to Jesus with the things that we're actually truly holding on to, that is where we find grace, and that is where we find healing and restoration in the transforming power of Jesus. So to answer my question from earlier of what does it mean to be the light of the world. I keep on touching my mustache, I'm sorry. The light we're called to hold isn't that we have a ticket into heaven. That's not what following Jesus is about. Following Jesus isn't about that we have a get out of free get, a, get out of jail free card with sin and all the wrong things that we do. It's not about just those things that we get from Jesus. This light that we hold is that we get to live a vulnerable, real relationship with our Creator who loves us so dearly that He wants us to transform from the inside out, and He wants to do that with us. He wants us to lead, He wants to lead us away from pain and sin and into the fullness of life and love that He holds. This light that we hold is that we are fully seen, fully known, fully loved, cared for, and fully forgiven by the man who chose to be crucified so that we could live on earth in a relationship with him and not just when we die one day. It isn't about the destination, my friends. He actually died so that we could have life with him here today. True, full This light that we hold, Jesus wants it to be seen. He didn't put us on the stand so that we would be put under the bed or under the bowl or that the lights would be turned off. He wants it to be seen. He wants his grace and his forgiveness to be seen in our lives. He wants people to know the ways that the Holy Spirit is transforming us all so that people would know that he is truly good and loving. So I'm going to invite the band back up because I'm realizing that I think I definitely went over. Um, But that's okay. I'll just accept that. You guys only have one service now. (laughs) But I don't have exact steps for you today. I don't have like the little practice thing that we put on the screen. Because each of us actually have a very different story. And all I would ask since I know of the healing and the transformation that Jesus has actually brought through my own grief and my own pain this last year, all I would ask is that you search yourselves for the things that maybe you've been keeping beneath the surface or been keeping to yourself and bring it out into the open for all the ears that can hear to hear 
And whether it is sin you struggle with, whether it is pain that you're holding on to, friends, I just want us to take steps to heal together. I want that to be what the church is, that this is a space of healing and not a space of where we all just keep all the things that are bothering us bottled up into ourselves. Because that's really not what we're supposed to be. And I feel like that's something that people outside the church can view us as. Because friends, once again, I truly believe that there would be a lot less hurting people and a lot more healing people if we actually took the time to share the light we hold with Jesus and each other. So would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much. Jesus, thank you for the ways that you want us to be transformed. Jesus, thank you that we are works in progress. Thank you that we do not have to expect ourselves to be perfect today. Because only you are. Jesus, I just pray that Jesus, I don't know who needed me to speak today or if anyone needed me to speak today or if you were wanting to do this purely just for my own sake and sanity. But God, I just pray that you be stirring our hearts. Holy Spirit, that you be opening our hearts and our minds that we would seek your healing, your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your presence. All in the sake of letting go things that, things that we might be holding on to in the sake of healing in the midst of pain. And Jesus, that you would be leading us into spaces of authentic vulnerability so that we may accurately be your light in this world. Jesus, lead us through the hard work of vulnerability. Jesus, lead us through the hard work of taking the cover off of our lamps that we may be seen, that we may be fully known, and that we may be fully loved by you and those around us. Jesus, we love you, we thank you, and in your name we pray. Amen.